Well, this is part two in our continuing saga about are pilots more likely to cheat than other professions? You're going to want to listen to today's show because today I have a special guest on sharing her story, her experience, and while her marriage did not survive infidelity, it wasn't actually an affair. Yes, there is escort services and prostitution involved in this particular scenario. And what I do want to say is I still maintain my theory that the profession itself, the pilot profession, didn't necessarily create that situation where the person is more likely to engage in that type of behavior. Welcome to the Pilot Wife Podcast, your ongoing checklist for navigating your best life as a pilot wife and aviation family. I'm your co-captain, Jackie Elmer. I've been a pilot wife for over three decades and can't imagine any other lifestyle. On the show, you'll hear stories, experiences, tips, advice, interviews with other pilot wives, pilots, aviation professionals, non-revving and travel experts also on this journey. Yes, it's a mixed bag of goods, but what life isn't? I'm here to bring you the best that the aviation life has to offer. If you have a topic suggestion, a story to share on the show, details are at the end. And if you want the Pilot Wife Survival Guide and Checklist, go to pilotwifechecklist.com. Now, stow your baggage, strap in, and let's unpack the Pilot Wife Life. Well, welcome back to the show. Wow, um, this series has created quite a stir. And while there's a part of it that's very gut-wrenching and the last thing that I wanna do is create triggers and anxiety for anybody or bring up dirt from the past or make one more suspicious. I don't feel that you need to be. I've shared this before. I believe that trust is bestowed until they lose that privilege, so to speak. So unless anyone is giving you a reason not to trust them or to be suspicious, don't live your life filled with anxiety and feel filled with feelings that something's going to happen. Now, before we get into the show, don't forget, I am looking for some ratings and reviews, and I'm going to pander, as I keep saying, because I got some great swag that I am going to be sending out to some of you who review the show. So you can send in your review. So what you need to do, you can review it either on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Give me a five-star rating and write an actual review. Take a screenshot. Send it to me at Jackie at PilotWifePodcast.com. Your name's going to go into a drawing, and you're going to get a swanky piece of swag in the form of a wine cooler, or it holds coffee. Um, or it holds any iced beverage or hot beverage, whatever your beverage is of choice. We've got the hot pink one with lips and the Pilot Wife podcast info, or you could have sleek black um, with the information on it. So again, I'm looking for ratings and reviews. All right, with that, I know you're on the edge of your seat, ready to hear what my next guest has to share. Pour yourself a cup, you might need one and you can pour that in any strength you want. Well, thank you to everybody listening in. And as the continuation of our ongoing saga around the concept that it's possibly more um, common for pilots to cheat than other professions, 
Today I have a special guest, as I mentioned, who's actually been on quote unquote the receiving end of infidelity with a pilot, but she has a she has a unique perspective on it and some great stuff to share. So first of all, Charity, thank you for being on the show and welcome. Of course. Nice to meet you. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you, your background, um, how you got into aviation, became a flight attendant. Just take us down memory lane a little bit and tell us about your experiences. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I started, uh, I really got into it because the guy I was dating at the time brought home this flyer that said, hey, they're hiring flight attendants. So I thought, you know what, I'm kind of tired of my two jobs, going to college full-time. And I thought, I'll just do this part-time or, you know, I didn't know anything about it. So I thought, I'll just try it. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. And and I tried it and I got in. And so it really started from there. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be a really good thing. Yeah, because I believe you're still going strong as a flight attendant. Yeah, I did. I, you know what? I worked for another airline. I won't say the name. But I worked for them for seven years, and then I took time off and raised my kids, and then I went back into the airline. Um, okay. Yeah, industry. Awesome. Okay, so at what point did you meet your pilot? Well, I had started flying in October of 1989, and I uh, met him in November of 89, so basically a month later while flying were you on a trip yeah i was on a trip i uh went to check in for a trip got to the gate uh we flew a lot of dc-9 so uh it was a dc-9 trip and two pilots two flight attendants and i walked in and i was all chipper and i was young and and everybody said hello except for this guy that was sitting in first class because we hadn't started boarding yet and it was one of the pilots and i said hey hey my name you know is such and such and he kind of put the paper down a little and said, hey, and I thought, oh, God, this guy's a bit of a douche. To be honest, I thought Ugh, we have to spend Thanksgiving with this guy. So that's how I met him. Yeah, that was our first meetup. Well, then how did you go from douche to dating? <laughs> right. OK, so here's the thing. So um, the, I think the trip was a three or four day trip. And. Uh, the first two days, I really didn't talk to him very much. In fact, I remember telling the other flight attendant, you know, this is a bummer. We, we have this really nice captain, the first officer, not so much. So uh, we ended up going out for uh, Thanksgiving dinner and he ordered uh, pork. And I thought, hey, it's Thanksgiving. So I kind of gave him a hard time. You know, I said, you're not going to get Thanksgiving dinner. He goes, no, I just, I just want the pork. And I said, okay. So uh, then we kind of started talking after that. And by the end of the trip, now you have to remember this is 1989, so it's a little different now. So by the end of the trip, like one of the last legs, uh, <clears throat> we had an hour between flights and and he he said, come out here to, to the jetway. So I went out and it sounds so corny, but this is what he did. He pointed at the, um, the airplane at, you know, by the door and he says, hey, do you see that? And I said, what? And he's pointing to it and I, and I was looking and he turned to me and he tried to kiss me. And you like back then, you know, and kind of just pulled that stuff off. But now, yeah, you wouldn't have that. But yeah, so I thought it was kind of cute. And anyway, he got my number and uh, my beeper number because we had beepers back then. And it just kind of, you know, we just kind of 
started talking from then. But mind you, you know, he was 14 years older than me. And I, I really wasn't interested in him. He really wasn't my type. And the first thing my dad said before I, um, when I told him I was going to be a flight attendant, he said, um, just whatever you do, don't date a pilot. And, and I always kept that in my mind. And I thought, oh, great, you know, but I did. So we started, you know, dating and it went on from there. Yeah. And then how long before you got married? Oh, well, that's a different story. That was about five years. Five years, yeah. So we got married in 94, 1994. Okay, and then you had children? Yeah, we have three girls. Um, they're, of course, my kids, so I think they're beautiful and smart and everything else. But yeah, they're good kids. So we have three girls, and of course, they're all in college now, or out of college. And yep. So at what point in the process did you find out that there was some cheating going on? Um, well, first of all, I have to say he, he did in my mind was not going to beat that type of pilot that cheated. I mean, he just no signs whatsoever. I never thought anything about it, but, um, so let me see, we got married in 94. We moved immediately to Hawaii and lived there for, um, until 2001. So this started around, like the fall of 2003, I would, I would guess, when I, I figured out something was going on. And how, how did you find out? Well, um, in our relationship, he took care of all the money and I had an allowance of $300 a week and he was on a trip and I went to go get money out um, of the bank account and it wouldn't let me get money out. It said, you've already taken your a lot an amount out for the day. And I thought, huh, that's weird. So I went home after I did my grocery shopping and used the credit card. And I get home and I called the bank. I said, hey, do you can you tell me who used the bank card? And they said, yeah, it seems as though they used it in Manila. And I thought, oh, oh well, it must be the husband. And, um, and it was, but it was odd for me because he didn't really spend a lot of money on trips and, and whatnot. So I just, something in my mind just went ding. So, yeah. So I thought that was a little weird. And so then what happened? So then um, after 9-11, he never really wanted to go to work. I mean, you know, that was such a blow to the airline industry. And it just, I remember catching him leaving the house, like kind of driving and leaving the house and going slowly and looking at the house. And I just felt so bad for him. Like, oh, he doesn't want to leave the house and doesn't want to leave the family. But then all of a sudden he started getting so excited to go to work. I thought, well, that's weird because he never wanted to do that before. And one thing that really set it off was he had left for a trip. And a couple minutes later, he came back in. He said, hey, I forgot something. And he ran downstairs. And he came back up, but he didn't have anything in his hands. And I thought, well, that's weird. But I didn't even ask him. I'm going to, you know, give him a kiss, say goodbye. And off he went. And I thought, well, that's a little strange. Like, what did he get? Did he get, what did he get? I couldn't figure it out. So um, do you want me to tell you a story what happened then after that? Of course. Okay. So then um, I called my good friend. She lived about a, you know, little little way down the road. And I said, Hey, come over, bring the kids, kids can play. And we're going to tear apart the basement because there's something going on. 
So uh, we tore apart the basement and I, we looked through everything and I found like the economy size of condoms in a pocket that he had in, a, in a, one of his old jackets. <clears throat> and the thing was, is, was there were, it was Asian writing. So I thought, why is he buying condoms when he's going to Asia? Because that's strictly what he did at the time. He flew 747 uh, first officer. So I thought there's something going on here. So after that, she went home and I was, of course, embarrassed. And I started thinking, where would he put anything? I started looking through his trip sheets. You know how they had the little trip sheets? And I found the file where he had his trip sheets. And then I started looking at them. And this is how naive I was. I really, you know, at the time, you know, we didn't use, uh, we didn't call each other a lot because it was really expensive. This is in, um, you know, the early 2000s. So um, we didn't have the iPhones and such, but so I almost never called. He would call when he got some time and I would talk to him maybe two or three times on a, a week and a half trip or whatever. And then I trusted him. So anyway, um, I was looking at the trip sheets and it had a bunch of girls' names on it. And I thought, Oh, this can't be good. You know, it was about four or five names on it. And then I found another paper in there that had um, directions on how to get to a bar, but it wasn't written his writing. It was written in, in somebody else's writing. And I thought, what is he doing in Manila that I had no idea about? So I got online and I looked up touristy things to do in Manila. And one of the first things that popped up was escorts or prostitutes. And come to find out, that's what it was. So my story is a little different from other flight attendants. He wasn't seeing another flight attendant or he wasn't seeing somebody else he had met, you know, on a daily basis. He would, he would go to prostitutes. So mine was a little bit different. Yeah, that definitely is different. How long, so when you found the ATM with the Manila withdrawal, how long was that before you found the trip sheets and that whole thing? What was roughly the time frame? Oh, it was just, it was that day. I, I called the bank and then I called my friend. I said, listen, we got to figure this out. But, you know, because my friend, actually, no, that's not true because I went, I called the bank. He went on another trip. Then he um, did that thing where he came into the house and then he left. And that's when it clicked. So it must have been not the first trip, but the second trip of the month, whatever he had been doing. So within the month. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how did you go about confronting him? What happened? How did that play out? <sighs> that was a long, drawn out thing. So, of course, I was on fire when I figured this out, but I knew I had to have proof. Like I knew if this was really going on, I had to have all the proof that I could find. So, um, you know, I kept it quiet. I didn't say anything. And um, I, in my mind, I had come to the conclusion that I was going to divorce him. So um, Before I would say you talk to him. Before even well, if, if I knew this was true to be true, that's what I was going to do. Okay. So I had gone to, so within a, like a three month span, I had gone to an attorney. She had told me what to do, get all the paperwork that I could find. 
and um, take copies of it. You know, at the time, there weren't a lot of things online, like, you know, how we do everything online, pay bills. We were still getting paper uh, copies of everything. So I took copies of whatever I could find. So he would go on a trip. And as soon as he, as he would go on a trip, that's what I would do. I would copy everything. And I um, went back to the attorney. I said, this is what I have. She says, okay. And um, so it just so happened that it was my birthday and he called me and I just finally came out and said, listen, I know what you're doing. And he played it off. Like, what are you talking about? And I said, no, no, I, you know, I know what you're doing. And he played it off for a little while. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. And I said, listen, I have, you know, I told him everything, what I had. And um, he finally came clean and said, yeah, you're right. I've been doing that, but it's your fault. It's your fault because you don't pay enough attention to me. You take care of the kids more. It's, it's really just, it's your fault. So that's what happened. And then if you want me to go on about that, um, I spent two years still with him after that. And I, uh, we, first of all, he went, uh, he wouldn't go to a therapist. He thought that was weak. So I went to a therapist and um, we tried to work it out for about two years. I, I figured I owed that to him and my kids, really my kids more than anything. And like I said, I had, at first I had in my mind, I'm not, I'm going to divorce him. There's no way I was going to put up with this. But as time went on, I thought, you know what? I really owe it to him and my kids to figure this out. So I did try for two years to really work on our marriage, <clears throat> but he would not go to um, marriage counseling or anything. But he did, once I did finally um, figure out, this is it, I'm not going to do this anymore, um, I served him with papers once he got back from a trip. But then he wanted to go to a, you know, a marriage therapist. So it took that to get to there. So let me back up for a minute. Um, after you confronted him and he admitted it, did he stop as far as you know? Did that end? I don't know. Honestly, I'd like to think so, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, he was thousands of miles away. So I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, but I don't know. And how was your mental state through all this in terms of, were you anxious when he left on a trip? Um, give us some insight as to, you know, what you were feeling during that time. Well, since he was going on trips and, I, and before I had confronted him, I wasn't, you know what? I was almost numb. Like I just, I was like, in my mind, I had to pretend like everything was going as it should. And, you know, um, we were still, you know, in a section, you know, we still had sex and I don't want to get too, you know, you know, but anyway, so we still had a, a very good uh, relationship, which was hard for me because I almost had to like fake it because you know, I knew what he was doing, yet I didn't want to, you know, I don't know. I just didn't want to blow my cover almost, you know what I mean? So it was really, really hard to kind of just fake that everything was going great until I came out with it. But yeah, so I was, I was just numb, I think. But when I did actually come out and tell him, I spent three days in bed. I was sick physically sick, ill. 
And I remember it was around Mother's Day and one of my kids came home and they brought like a little card up to me in the bedroom and it said, you know, happy Mother's Day. And, and you know how the teacher fills it out. Like, I want this for my mommy. And it said, I want my mommy to get out of bed and to go gardening and be happy again and not see her cry. And that for me, it just, oh God, I just, I think that's what to me said, I, I you know, owe this to at least my kids to figure this out. How old were they at the time? Oh boy, they were eight, six, and three. Yeah, so little. So yeah. Little. Um, did after he was after you confronted him and he came home and in that dynamic, did you feel like he was remorseful? Did you feel like he was making effort in? I, I understand he wouldn't go to counseling, but was he making effort in the relationship? Did did you feel like he was fully vested? Honestly, no, because he wouldn't go to to therapy. I mean, I, I thought if he's not even really willing to figure this out, then no, I, I don't think he was. I mean, you know how they're kind of nice to you at first and really, you know, try to put on this act like they're they've changed or whatnot. But I, I didn't I didn't feel it at all. In fact, I felt like he was more blaming me like, you know, <clears throat> he never said it out loud, but the way he treated me, it was like, you know, he was blaming me for him doing this. This is, this is the only way he could, you know, feel better was doing this kind of thing. So no. And then until I actually served him with divorce papers, that's when he started trying. That's when he actually started trying. So what know. was it that took you to that point? What, what finally happened? You, I think you mentioned it was about two years. You were putting effort into it. You were going to therapy. Um, at what point was, what was the breaking point for you that ultimately you served him? Um, okay. So <clears throat> after I had um, found out what he was doing, um, I, I still, I don't know if a lot of women do this, but I tapped the phone. I don't, probably illegal, but I tapped the phone and I still kept that going, but I never really found anything out um, except for um, I had heard this conversation with my brother-in-law and him and they, he was ironically planning a, a birthday surprise, again, my birthday. And the way he spoke about me when I didn't hear you know, he wasn't doing it in front of me. The way he spoke about me just made me cringe. Like, I just felt like you're planning this birthday party, but you're not even speaking highly of me. You know, you're speaking like I'm a pain in the ass. So to me, that's when it, I just finally said, I'm done. I just, I wasn't happy. I was trying, he wasn't trying. And that's when I said, I'm done. I'm done with it all. Yeah. And then when he said he was willing to go to therapy, did you change your mind? Did you, did he ultimately go to therapy? What happened at that point? So what he did, uh, he said, well, let's go to therapy. So I went with him a couple of times to therapy and I basically just told her I was done in front of him. And he would, he said he would get a therapist. He went to a therapist. I just continued with my therapist. Um, but uh, he, I, you know, I just felt like it was all surface. He was just doing it to make it look good. And <clears throat> yeah, I just really didn't feel like he was really in it until I served him with divorce papers. 
And then how long did you continue in therapy till you went ahead? Because I know you ultimately divorced. How long did the therapy with both of you last until you finally said, no, we're going through with this? Um, like I said, I went to his, uh, I went to the couple's therapy about three times. And then I went to his therapist with him once. And um, after I had left and he spoke to his therapist again, his, his therapist said, she's, she's not, she's done. She's done. So I think at that point, uh, he knew I was done. And I think he just kind of gave up. And that's when he got angry that I was going to go through with this. Yeah. And I, you mentioned, you know, his, his um, reasoning was that was the only way that he could feel better. That was the only way that he got attention. You were busy with the kids and not paying enough attention to him. What are your thoughts around that? Because you know, the reality of it is that is a phase in life and it is challenging and it takes a lot of the connection going in a marriage when you have small children and you're exhausted and they're demanding and all of that. So now looking back, especially, and, and I, I always am careful how I word this because I don't ever want to place blame. Oh, I know, I know where you're yeah. going with this. Yeah. 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 So what do you think about that in terms of, you know, being, distracted with the kids, so to speak. Well, I'm sure I wasn't present all the time. I mean, I mean, I would be a fool to say that I was, it wasn't my fault in some sense. I mean, of course. I mean, when he finally like pointed it out, uh, I felt awful. I felt really, really bad. And, um, you know, we always, the, the weird thing is like, we would always go out for a date night every week when he was home. So in my mind, that was kind of covering things. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm sure he felt neglected, but then I also felt like he was the dad and he could have, you know, come with us to do these things too. Like it wasn't like he was the babysitter. I mean, you know, he was part of the family too, so he could help out. But, um, I, I, I don't know. I just think I felt terrible. I felt so awful that not not having an affair so much but going to a prostitute that made me question myself as a wife as a woman as a i mean how awful that was just the worst ever you know i just almost wished that he was having an affair with somebody because then i could i don't know if you feel better about it but i guess it's just different you know yeah well there's so many i mean unfortunately and i'm sorry that you went through that. I mean, there are so many scenarios and I guess we can always Monday morning quarterback all of it, right? Which is better, which is worse. Sorry, you know, my dog's barking. <laughs> that's okay. It's real life. So I know one of our, and this has kind of been the, the theory behind this series is, you know, is the, is the career choice of a pilot or um, does it lend itself more to that? So looking back now what do you think what are your thoughts about whether his career as a pilot played a role in his choices in what he did i think um you know what it could have been anybody i just think he had more of a chance to hide it and not get caught um but i think anybody it could be any career that they choose you know i don't think it's just pilots I think pilots kind of get a bad rap, but, um, you know, it could have been any, anything, 
It could have been a businessman. It could have been, you know, anybody. So I don't think it's just a pilot thing. I just think he was allowed, you know, more of a chance to do it because he was in a foreign country. He probably thought he would never get found out. And, and, you know, I'm sure he did it not in front of the people he was working with. And I think he was just, you know, in a situation where it was, he was more apt to be able to do it. Got it. So what advice do you have for women? Because obviously this whole topic came up, as you well know, um, it's come up numerous times in the Facebook groups. Uh, it, it's probably the most asked about question, including, you know, anxiety when they leave, a lot of that. So what advice do you have? And, and again, as I've said, it, it makes me sad that this is the most requested topic about, you know, how do you, how are you sure that they're not cheating and all of that. So what advice do you have for women who are feeling anxious about his job and, and the potential for an affair or infidelity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I think just be open, you know, you gotta be open about your fears and, um, you know, make sure that, that you communicate and just be open with them, you know, because if you're hiding it, it's just going to eat you up inside. So I would, like I said, I think it's just communication in my sense. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. Looking back, do you, looking back and kind of, you know, seeing the situation, would you say you had red flags before you actually found out? Was there anything that seemed slightly off in the relationship or his, the way he acted, his demeanor? No, that's the worst part. Like I had no idea. I was so blown away. Absolutely so blown away. Like he was the same person that he had always been in my eyes. So I think that was the worst feeling is like not knowing that he was doing all this and coming home and just acting like everything was normal. Like until I, I found out about, you know, the money, honestly, I wish I could say that there was something, but there really wasn't. There really was. I mean, maybe he was, like I said, he was happy to go to work. He was excited to go to work. That that was a red flag for me. Uh, it changed in his personality when he went to work. But otherwise, no, I, I, I wish I could, but really, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, and, and so again, kind of along the lines of advice, because I know that that's what a lot of the women listening, especially are, are wanting is advice. So you obviously made the choice initially to stay and work it out. So what advice do you have around that? Like, I know, and, and it's kind of interesting. I think the younger we are, we have that knee jerk response to say, oh yeah, no, like seriously. Oh yeah, absolutely. Find out someone's cheating, that's it, they're done. Right. But all of us, as we get older and we have time and energy and emotion invested in a relationship, when we have children, when we have a lot of other stuff, it changes the dynamic where, A, um, you know, do you throw everything that was good away over something that wasn't good? And, and what, how do you know that the next person isn't going to be more of the same. Like you're not, you know, there's no guarantees. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, your own thoughts. I mean, you did, you already shared that you felt like, you know, you owed it to your kids and all that to say, 
what what kind of advice would you pass on? Well, you know, we we had a really good life. I mean, I in my eyes, I thought we had a really good life. So we had, you know, great kids and we did wonderful things. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of money on cars, houses, whatever, but we traveled and we had great, great things. But um, gosh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I know this sounds really crappy. Um, I would, I think the most important thing is communication. Cause had I known he thought I was spending all this time with the kids that he, he was resentful of that. I wish he would have said, you know, Hey, I'm really having a hard time here. I, I, I need more of your attention. Would you please, you know, help me with that? And I would have, you know, thought first, what a big baby, but I, I mean, I would have definitely done it. You know, I would have made more of an effort, but um, I, you know, when, like you said, when you're going through that, it's the kids, 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 and then you have your marriage too. It's, it's a fine line, man. It's just such a fine line of intertwining them. So I, I, you know, I just communication, I think would be the, the biggest thing, you know, know where they are on a level and, you know, maybe even make an effort to say, hey, how are you doing? You know, are you feeling okay about us? Or, you know, just check in on each other. And just to know that you guys are on the same, you know, same, same wavelength when it comes to your life right now. But, you know, you, I have to say, like, he was 14 years older than me. So as, as time went on, he had already been through the things that I was just going through. You know, so for me, I was kind of kind of catching up to where he was, you know, so it was a little different in that way. But I, I wish he would have I wish I would have asked him, hey, how you doing? You know, check in on him and see how he was doing. But does that help at all? Yeah. And of course, that goes both ways. And, you know, unfortunately, for most people, not not everybody, but it, kind of like having kids they don't come with a manual and marriage doesn't really come with a manual either and most of us right. are communicators um right. we, and especially as women we hide our feelings we shove stuff under the rug we think oh you know that was just a, a one-off not not cheating so to speak but just whatever and and it's easy to keep thinking oh i'm going to work on that i'm going to work on that so it is both both a partner's responsibility to have that open communication to check in with each other. How are you feeling? Are your needs being met? Um, how can I do better? How can we connect better? Right. Uh, you know, how are you feeling about things? And at the same time, if your partner's not the one reaching out asking you those things, on either side, you have to be grown up enough to say, look, I don't mean to sound whiny. I don't mean to sound like a baby, but I need more of you. And so let's talk about how we can work that out. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you drop everything with the kids or drop everything that matters to you, but it's just saying, I know you're busy. I know you're pulled in a million directions, but I would really love to have more of you time. How can exactly. we Exactly, exactly. And you know, I, this just came up too in my mind. You know, when he would be gone, it was like you had two lives. And I think you probably feel this way too. It's like when they're gone, you have this life where you're by yourself. If, and he usually when something would break, it would break when he was gone. 
and you become a very, very independent woman. And so independent sometimes that you, you're just used to not asking, you know, especially as a pilot's wife. And then you have friends, like you have these friends that you both hang out with. And then you have friends that are like in your mommy group or your exercise group. And you tend to do things with them, even when they come home, because you're so used to them being gone. You just tend to do it and kind of forget they're still home. You know, I wish I would have included him more in, you know, what I was doing in my life when he was gone, because we were just kind of separate. Like he had his life on the road. I had my life at home. When he came home, I'm not going to catch you. Kind of, it was a pain in the ass to have him home sometimes because he got in the way of things. And I know that sounds really crazy, but I think a lot of pilots wives would say, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. He kind of disrupts the flow. And, you know, how would that feel as a as a husband coming home from a trip and feeling that way that, you know, crap, I, I feel like I'm in the way. And I'm sure I met him, you know, made him feel that way. And that to me, you know, I feel terrible about it. I wish I would have included him more on these things. You know, they can't read your mind. You know, it's you kind you have to put it out there so i think you summed that up so beautifully and so perfectly that you it's easy to get into i don't even want to call it a rut but you get into a routine of the lifestyle yeah uh, and it's hard for them and it's hard for you it's hard mm -hmm. for them they leave they're missing a lot of stuff and they don't always communicate how they feel about missing that and you're at home running the show. You're the pilot in command at home, right? Yeah, you really are. And of their own life when they're on the road, and then you come back together. They come into your house, and I, I don't, I don't mean that. As, no, like but as I, you probably have, silence, yeah. So but it is. It's kind of like no. you feel like you have domain over the house mm -hmm. because you're running the show all the rest of the time, and then they come in, and it's like you can't just step aside and say, "Okay, let's disrupt the right. whole." we've got the kids on and again this isn't in every situation some pilots and some pilot wives and partners are going to listen to this and go i can't relate to that at all but i know a lot of people right. are and it's something we struggle with and and it's easy to get into that routine of just allowing that to take over where they do kind of probably feel pushed in a corner and you've made plans with your friends that you know, you've got to keep all that going so i think you summed that up beautifully and I welcome anyone listening, and especially the pilots who listen, let us know how we, from your opinion, and I would love to have you on the show, just go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com and let me know, because we would love to have you on the show to help educate us how you feel. And again, it's not a right, neither one of us, none of it's a right or wrong. Right. It's just coming together so that we communicate, get better. Because if I have any goal in the world with this, you know, I've been married 33 years. We've managed to keep it together and it's been mostly great. I always say I have a largely very fantastic marriage, but I, I look back and see so many blind spots, so many things I would have done differently. So if through this show, we save one relationship, we open up better communication, we do any of that, then, you know, check mission accomplished. So I love the way you summed that up. I thought that was perfect. Oh, thanks. You know, I think the airlines as a whole should give you a tool book like a book to say, hey, this is the reality of being a pilot's wife or, um, you know, girlfriend, whatever. And these are the things you're going to have to to really work with. But yeah, just just the tools to say, hey, you know, 
this is the way your life is going to be. Because like I said, I think you become so independent that you forget that you actually have a partner. So when they come home, you can actually rely on them, you know? Or, or what a partnership really should look like. I mean, exactly. I mean, you don't forget you have a partner, you know that, but it's kind of, you, many of us lose the uh, sense of creating that communication piece that says, all right, this is what's going on this month. I mean, just really kind of going through it and breaking it down. You get home. I know for me, my husband, he does not like to be scheduled to do anything right away coming home from a trip. Not the first yeah, absolutely. day, right? And sometimes not the next day. Now, obviously, real life gets in the way, and especially as you have children, they have activities, so you can't always give them that downtime. But I know for me, I worked really hard to protect that time, um, to allow him that downtime for himself. But I'll also be honest, there are times when I'm resentful for that too. It's like, you've been gone, and now I feel like I'm rearranging my life. And again, that's just really the compromise of any relationship right. having communication yeah. because if I sit and stay resentful and don't ever communicate to him where, you know, then, then I'm resentful and he has no idea that I'm feeling that way. And that just creates a lot of conflict where if I, I would say, look, I know that you like this alone time when you first get home and I do my best to protect it, but this particular weekend, this is going on. And I would really love if you could suck it up, so to speak, and just, right on for that. And who knows, you know, he would probably say, of course, I know he would, you know, not every time, but I know he would just from the times that we do. So it, again, it's opening those tough conversations. It's letting go of our own ego and not making assumptions that they should know this, or they should figure this out, or, or we should figure this out from their perspective or any of that. Well, yeah, it's hard for our pilot to let go of their ego. That's, that's really hard. <laughs> Truly okay. it is. I agree, but I think it's hard for all of us. And when I use the word ego, and I use it a lot in this show, I don't mean like arrogant, narcissist ego. All of us have an ego of self-preservation. It's just mm -hmm. how we're wired as humans. And, and at the, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're wired to survive and it's kind of survival of ourselves first. It's kind of like put your own oxygen mask on first, right? You've got to save right. yourself. And that's a wired primitive thing. So when I use the word ego, I don't even mean it from that egotistical perspective. I just mean in general that it's easy to default into our own patterns from the past and all of that and think, you know, wait a minute, my needs aren't getting met instead of coming, you know, to the middle ground and having that communication. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, you know, it could just even be the simple things like when they come home and you want to go out for dinner because you've been cooking at home for weeks on end, they don't want to go out for dinner. That's the last thing they want to do. So you have to keep little things like that in mind. You know, they don't want to be around a crowd of people. They just spent a week and a half eating dinner out for, you know, every night of the, the week. So it's just, yeah, the little things and they all add up. That's for sure. They do. So I know it can be hard to look at it this way, but you, you've had quite a bit of time under your belt since all this happened. And I know you're remarried and very happy and we'll get into that. But how what looking back, what lesson or gift or growth would you say you've experienced through this? Uh, I don't you know, I think my relationship with my ex-husband was um, I look back now. And I was very young when I met him and I, 
almost feel like I lost my, um, I know we just talked it up about being independent, but I really did almost lose myself in, in the marriage. Like, you know, of course I had an exercise class or, you know, the mommy group, but I, I, I kind of forgot about myself. So don't lose yourself. You know, it's really easy to do. So easy to do. And I look back and I wish I would have had more confidence and, um, know that I was doing a pretty good job because I wasn't always told I was doing a, a good job, but inside I knew I, I probably was, but you know, I know it's, it's good to have somebody say, Hey, you're doing a pretty good job. I know I just left for a week and a half and you know what? And in turn to thank them for doing what they do. You know, I wish I would have told them, you know, thanks for providing such a good, um, life for us. You know, we've really had a good life and thank you so much for doing that because you always want to be thanked for, you know, doing these, you know, day-to-day things. So that, yeah, I would have done that more. Yeah. I almost like, when you talk, talk, see the question, I get so involved in my answer. I almost forget what you asked. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do you ever do that? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's common, but I think you answered that perfectly, you know? just a bunch of that. I mean, yeah, it, it's all good stuff. Now, one of the things I know that you and I had chatted about, and I think it's an important thing for anybody to think of, especially um, in terms of if the marriage is not going to last, were you prepared financially or what do you wish that you had known or done differently in terms of being financially uh, ready for a divorce? Well, I was really lucky because when I started searching through these papers and whatnot, I found a lot of accounts that I didn't know about. I I had no idea what my ex-husband made. Um, It was pretty much we had that old fashioned marriage where I did all, you know, the mommy things and the housework and and whatnot. And he, he paid all the bills and took care of that. So, oh man, I wish I would have said, you know, let's sit down, let's figure this out. Let's have both of our names on the check. Let's have, you know, both of the combined um, uh, credit cards and debit cards and whatnot. But honestly, I, I just, I just let him all happen. And it's not all his fault. I mean, I let it happen. I should have, if I would have, you know, growing up, that's the way it was. Like, that's the way my parents had it. And and I wish I would have said, you know, I would be, I would love to be more involved in, in the financial aspect of it, you know? And you know what, though, I have to say, he did give me a chance. One time he, this sounds so cheesy, but he gave me money to invest in whatever I wanted to invest it in. And so um, I invested in things that I liked. And then he invested in things that he liked. And we kind of had this competition. Well, I won because I was investing in these things that I loved. And he was so mad because he was investing in things that he was just reading about that people were telling him to invest in. But it's not like he didn't give me that chance. Maybe that was his window to say, you know, here, you know, I would like to be, I would like to have you be more involved with this. And then um, I did that investment thing and then I kind of just blew it off. You know, for me, it was easier just to have him do it because I had three little kids. I didn't really care about it so much, but, you know, 
back to wishing, I wish that I would have known more about the financials. And I really lucked out because I found this account in when I was looking around in the papers that I had no idea about that. Um, I feel like a detective now that I um, it had both of our names on it. And I called the company and said, uh, hey, what's going on with this account? Can I take any money out of it? And they said, yeah, it's your name's on the account. So what I did was I took some money out of that account and I put it in my own name, uh, in my own account, uh, the week that I um, filed for divorce, or not filed for, had him serve for divorce, you know. And so I was lucky enough to have that money. And yeah, he was really mad and angry that I took that money out. But I did. And I had that money to get an attorney. And I had that money because I knew it would go south pretty quick, which it did. And um, I had that money to live on when he didn't want to, you know, help support. So I was very lucky, but, you know, just know your financials. You know, that was my own fault. I should have, I wish I would have done that. So, no, you know, know your, your, uh, know your worth, literal, you know, your worth. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what I, I, I want to say this for sure. The one thing that I really appreciate about this conversation and about you is that I hear you owning up to your shortcomings for lack of a better word. Oh, and again, this is in no way condoning his behavior, but it takes more than one to, you know, for a marriage to Yeah, break. it always takes two to tango, man. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate that I hear you saying, look, he gave me an opportunity to be more involved financially. He did this. I wish I would have paid more attention here. I wish this. And I don't say any of that in terms of, I mean, yes, of course, we can always look back and, and, you know, I mean, hindsight's 2020, but I think this is good information, A, for anyone listening now to just be aware of these type things and try to avoid these pitfalls. And I could hear just from what you're sharing that you're a healthier person now, not that you were unhealthy, but through this, you have grown and gained some tools and some knowledge and wisdom of how to do things better and how to counsel your daughters even mm -hmm. of things to be aware of. And, and speaking of your daughters, so um, they're older now. And so I'm assuming you still have a relationship with their father, your ex-husband. And how is that? Actually, you know what, after, so when I served him with papers and we went through that maybe month and a half, two months where he was trying and, and whatnot. Um, then he got angry and he wouldn't leave the house. So he stayed in the house while we were getting divorced. And um, I tried to make it as, as um, good as I could, but it was pretty bad. Like, you know, the kids knew, I mean, it was so painful that, you know, he would be in the house and it, you, you just know, kids just know, you know, but, um, and honestly, after he left, I only spoke to him when it was about the kids and that was it. And, um, he's remarried and he's got a wonderful wife. Who's been a wonderful stepmother to my kids. Like I could not have asked for anybody better. She's truly, I was, I told him, if she, if you weren't marrying her, I would, I would have married her because she's that great of a person. And I told him, be good to her. But 
yeah, so my kids get along with their dad pretty well. And, but I, I really don't have any, I don't ever have to talk to him unless it's about the kids because I did try and um, I got hurt really, really bad trying to be more of a friend, you know, instead, you know, but it was just, it, it's painful. It's just really still hurts me that, you know, at, at the very least you could, I would think you could parent together, but it was just, it didn't work out that way. And so ugh, I hate getting choked up, but it makes me really sad, you know, that my kids can still feel that, you know, they come home and they just, they just don't, they don't want anything to happen. So they just make sure they have their time with their dad and they have my time with them and, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's still, it is what it is. And I do my best. We only talk when it's about the kids and that's very, very rarely since they're older now. So yeah, it just kind of breaks my heart. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for that. And I'm sorry to bring up any, you know, to, to revisit old painful feelings, but I definitely appreciate you coming forward and asking to be on the show and share your story because I think it's important. Um, it's a unique story. It's different than kind of what some of the other ones are. Is he having an affair? It's a, it's a very different area of that. Um, and I just appreciate you taking the time to come on and share that and, and be, be real and be vulnerable and share your story. Yeah. I, I thank you. I think you're doing a good thing here. I really do. It's, I wish they had that when, I wish you were here when I was married. This would have been a really, really good thing. You're doing a great thing, Jackie. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I was here when you were married, but I was right in the middle of this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kids and the podcast didn't exist. And yeah, I was just getting started. And <laughs> honestly, I think you could be a therapist. Well, I am a life coach. If I were to go back to school, it's absolutely what I would do. I've I've studied human behavior for years, most specifically my own. Um, and, you know, I'm always about hacking myself and hacking my mind and my thoughts and my beliefs and my limiting beliefs. And why do I lack confidence here? And why do I have confidence here? And how could I have done that better? And, you know, as you as you really work on yourself and grow, um, it does shift a lot of things. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, that feedback. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. So thank you. So that's a whole different perspective from the affair, or really even the one night stand. And that can be painful to hear. And, and afterwards, we stayed on a little bit, but didn't record it of, of her talking about, you know, which is better, we, we got into it a little bit. Is it better that they had a full blown affair, or that they were pain for sex. And as painful as that is, there's a part of her and others I've talked to about this who can detach from the fact that it doesn't necessarily mean that sex with her was bad or that their sex life was bad. It was something different within him with with something else that she was really not a part of. And, and that's the biggest thing to hold on to. And while I'm not a therapist, I am a life coach. I'm a peak performance coach. And I really specialize in working with women, pilot wives, and aviation pros, and helping them create a better flight plan for themselves. So if any of this uh, resonates with you and you'd like to have a conversation, please go to coach 
www.pilotwifepodcast.com, complete the form, book a time with me, and let's have a free conversation about what's going on with you and see how I might best support you. So again, um, I still stand with my belief that the career itself is not indicative of whether or not there's going to be infidelity. And if you have any opinions to weigh in on that, please give me feedback. You can email me, Jackie, at pilotwifepodcast.com, or you can go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. You can submit a topic. You can submit comments there. If you have feedback that you want me to share on an upcoming show and just talk about, we can do that too. So again, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. Share this with anyone who you feel might benefit, pilot wife, aviation pro or not. Uh, This is a topic that's real and relatable to all of us. If you like what you're hearing on the show, grab the Pilot Wife Checklist at pilotwifechecklist.com. And if you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. Share the show with any pilot wives, military wives, or anyone in aviation you know who might share and benefit from this similar experience. I'll see you on the journey.